baby. I'm feeling good today, people. What is good, my people? Mi familia. Hola, me llamo Waldo. Can you say Regulators Podcast? Perfecto. Let's get it, baby. Man, where to even start this week? First of all, I will say I almost did the show last week sober. Like I, like I wasn't trying intentionally to be sober, but it just almost happened. I assure you, that is not the case this week. But let's talk about a bunch of things. Um, how about the fact that we bet five props last week? Five prop bets. We put all five out there on our Twitter at Regulators Pod for y'all to see. And we cashed every damn one of these motherfuckers. We had the over on Zeke rushing yards. We had Mahomes to throw at least one interception. And then... When I saw the weather report in Buffalo on Monday night, I bet the under on passing yards, completions, receiving yards. I'm actually mad at myself that I didn't take more of those unders. But we cleaned up. Like, I haven't even mentioned that we were 9-4 and four against the spread. That's fine. But we hit all those prop bets. 5 for 5, a perfect fucking week. That's what you like to see. That's how we're going to start off this week. So, listen, I'll tell you what. Sex is cool, but have you ever gone 5 for 5 on prop bets and beat the spread across the board? That's a good feeling, my friends. So, awesome week for the regulators, and we are going to do it again. But first, it's time for the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people, and you're going to hear about it. So, first up on my shit list this week. Listen. We are continuing to grow as a podcast and a brand, which I love. And we have some resources available, but in general, it's Uncle Bobby B, baby. It's me. I am the stat department, the marketing, IT, graphics, you name it, I got it. So, I wear many hats. However, I do strive to make sure that this show and all of our content is about quality. Now, on the flip side... You have some major networks and brands with entire teams of people who do nothing but research stats and supply them for infographics, commentary, things like that. And every week, I see one of these brands putting out content that is just incorrect. I will often comment, DM, you know, whatever I can do to let them know that, hey, listen, this information is false. Yet the tweets stay up, and the comment, DM, or whatever I do, like, it just kind of gets ignored. On top of that, the incorrect data gets picked up by other people and gets regurgitated for over a week. There was one in particular last week that just really kind of grinded my gears, right? So it was a comparison between two players in the NFL through their first 16 starts. Now, here's the problem. One of the players that was showed in this graphic had 16 starts. However, they were showing the stats for 18 games. Why? Because whatever lazy asshole was putting the stats together heard on a broadcast somewhere that player A has now completed 16 games. So they ran to a stat site. They looked at the player's career numbers and they just assumed, you know what happens when you assume, They assumed that that must be 16 games worth. No, asshole. You need to painstakingly look at the game logs from each season and add up the stats for the games where that player started a game, just like we painstakingly did that. And that's how I knew the stats were bogus completely out the gate. But then, so you don't do that. Okay, fine. Everyone makes mistakes. But then I alert you, and everyone who is running to copy that stat into their own tweets and infographics that the stat is bogus, and nobody cares. Nobody writes back and says, oh, thank you for the heads up. I'll adjust it. Because 
you can't even adjust it. You just got the information from somebody else who made the infographic and then now everybody's out to just steal it and you send it to your guy and you know that's just kind of how the business works. It is what it is. But on top of you know making the mistake, nobody does anything to fix it whatsoever. So I I don't even know where to begin. It's like no one cares that they're putting false information out there. It just fits the narrative so it's not your problem, right? Like I swear to God, I don't know whose nephew some of these people are or whose daughter they are fucking at a major corporation, but some of these shitheads just they don't deserve their job. How do we have billion dollar corporations who don't fact check who don't pay attention to detail, and then when called on their information, do nothing about it? How do we have journalists who get told the information is false and continue to, to perpetuate that same information? Like, I expect that kind of shit in politics. But sports? Like, come on, bro. Be better than the gap. Be better than the gap. The bar is set so low right now. And listen, we are not perfect ourselves. But integrity means everything to me on this show. This week we were ranting about quarterbacks on their second or third teams that took those teams to a conference championship. And I was mentioning Tannehill with the Titans, Favre with the Jets, etc. And someone said, Favre never took the Jets. And I said, shit, you are completely right. I meant the Vikings. But that's on me. That's my bad. And I corrected what I said. No one will ever upset me. If they find an error in something I say, it's the opposite, actually. I expect our fans to hold us accountable. And if more people did this to all brands, we would all be much better off. Now, continuing with my grievances, and speaking of being better off, I would like to dedicate this show to the young man at the Dolphins-Giants game who thought he wanted the smoke last week. Now, for those of you who do not know, although we cover all 32 NFL teams with great joy, and we are very happy that this is a podcast and a, a brand about all 32 NFL teams, I personally am a very proud Miami Dolphins season ticket holder. I worked for the team for several years, lifelong fan, and on game day, I roll into Hard Rock Stadium in an all-black-on-black Miami Dolphins uniform with helmet, pads, cleats, etc., the whole nine. So as you can imagine, it sometimes gets mixed reactions at the game. Now most of the fans think it's really cool, they appreciate the passion I have for my team, I can roll through East 12 and hang out with the Deep End crew, the Gorillas, Stripe Chucky, all my boys over there, and the people over there, it's, it's all love, like it's an awesome time, right? Then you have the other people, usually intoxicated, who see someone in a football uniform and they lose all sense of rational thought or sanity in their mind and they either A, want to talk shit, which is fine, or better yet, try to tackle the guy in the football uniform in the middle of a parking lot. Now, most people's shit-talking game is so weak in the first place that I've heard much worse and it doesn't even phase me in the least. But, if you physically put your hands on me or think you're going to blindside tackle me, you will learn very quickly that I am not the team mascot and I don't care how many hard seltzers you've had, I will beat the shit out of you. Having said that, I actually am the most passive person you would ever, ever meet. And as long as no one gets physical, it's all in good fun and I love bringing that energy to Hard Rock Stadium. Now, one of my best friends who often comes to the games with me is a multiple tour military soldier and let's just say he is not the passive type. He is not the walk away guy and I am so very glad that he was not with me for once at this particular game because he might have killed a frat boy on Sunday. So let me set the stage for you. I'm leaving Hard Rock Stadium headed out to the parking lot with thousands of other fans the Dolphins had beaten the Giants, and of course some Giants fans were not thrilled about the L. Now, mind you, I'm walking through the lots, minding my own business, but 
you know, oftentimes people will stop me and ask to take pictures because they dig the outfit. And of course, like I'm always down. I love meeting fans, you know, from every team, making memories and new friendships and stuff like I love it. So this guy asked me if I can take a picture with his kids. So naturally, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So he steps back and he gets out his phone uh, so that me and his son can pose for a picture. And out of nowhere, this kid in a giant shirt is walking by and he's like, look at this wannabe. Y'all look at the wannabe. This guy sucks. Now I'm laughing and paying him no attention. And other people around him are just yelling at him to shut the fuck up and keep walking. And then not getting the attention that he wants, he comes up in my face and says, yo, my boy will knock you the fuck out right now. You think you're tough? I'll fuck you up. You want the smoke? Now, again, I haven't said a word to this dude. He's trying to cut off my path as I'm walking away, and I'm just laughing and sidestepping him. Finally, he relents and he screams, that's what I thought, bitch. Fuck you, pussy. And this is the part I laughed the hardest at, because immediately... I thought of my best friend who had decided last minute to not come to the game and was picturing the damage he would have done to this poor kid's windpipe if he had heard these words. So let's play this out, right? Even if I don't have my boy with me, you know, and he doesn't handle my light work and fuck up your carotid artery, even if I wasn't surrounded by friends and fans who would have curb stomped this kid before he ever laid a hand on me, You were three sheets to the wind and could barely stand, let alone land a punch. Your boys were pulling you in the opposite direction and did not have your back. And most important of all, I was wearing a full actual helmet, which after you broke your hand trying to hit, I would have removed and bashed your fucking skull in. But again, I swear I'm a passive person, so that's why I keep walking. Like, I feel so bad for these clowns because sooner or later, they are going to get stabbed, jumped, or end up in jail over absolutely nothing because their life is shit, their self-esteem is shit, they have nothing of real value in their world, and so they will continue to behave like asshats. And if you hang out with jackasses like this, you encourage their behavior. I used to have friends who would get stupid after a few drinks and want to ruin their life, and you know what? I don't go out with those people anymore. Y'all need to have higher standards for the company you keep, and just remember that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Think about that. So this show is dedicated to that young man who almost made one of the worst decisions in his life, and to the people running quality control for the stats department at major sports networks because... All of y'all need Jesus in the worst way. Some other people who may need Jesus is anyone who bet against the Patriots this season. The New England Patriots knocked off the Bills in the most bizarre Monday night football game that we have seen in a while. The wind was out of control before the game with gusts of 30 to 50 miles an hour, and as soon as I saw that, I ran to hammer the unders on the passing-related props. Mac Jones was 2 for 3 for 19 yards, but the run game went off for over 200 yards as the Patriots knocked off the Bills 14 to 10. Now, once the wind took away most of the passing game for both teams, it was really going to be about the running game, which that's really a no contest. The Patriots are going to run the ball better than the Buffalo Bills will. Damian Harris had over 100 yards and a touchdown, but unfortunately did leave the game with an injury that we hope obviously isn't serious. The Patriots now sit at 9-4 on top of the entire AFC with a rookie quarterback and a completely revamped roster from a season ago. They have the week off before two tough games against the Colts and the Bills again before finishing the season with the Jaguars, and then they head down to Miami to take on division rival Dolphins. The Patriots now, with their seventh win in a row, have moved from plus 1,000 Super Bowl favorites to plus 630 to win the Super Bowl, making them the third highest favorite right now behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. They will obviously enjoy that bye week and see where things shake out as they head into next week. Another team that has been reeling off wins and is also on bye this week is the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins have now won five in a row heading into the bye week, 
Tua has the second best completion rating in the NFL, and this kid is maturing, and the reads and throws that he is making in just his 17th start is displaying everything that we were sold on him. Late in the game, they are putting the ball in his hands and telling him to go make the play. The subtle nuances of some of these back shoulder throws and these out route, outside the number shots when you need a big conversion, especially on a third down late in the game. And make no mistake, Tua is playing behind arguably the worst offensive line in football. He shouldn't even be able to post top 15 numbers with the duress that he faces. Jalen Waddell is also a star. Anyone who thinks Miami wasted that pick is misinformed to say the least. He has the second most catches in the NFL, not among rookies, in the entire NFL. Jalen Phillips, also another multiple sack game, and he broke the Miami Dolphins rookie sack record at eight and a half sacks. Not to mention, guess who showed up with another INT? Yup, X-Man, Xavier Howard who has forced six turnovers this year and since entering the league has the most interceptions despite missing a ton of football, which we know he missed due to injury. He literally is that good that he can miss time and still be better than everybody else. The Dolphins team is rolling and they are going to enjoy this bye week off before hosting the New York Jets in week 15. Another team that we have on bye this week is the Indianapolis Colts. You guys want to see a dead body? Well, go check out the game tape from last week. Indy is in the Texan killing business, and business is a booming. The Colts laid into Houston like the bear Jew with a Louisville slugger. 31-0. Jonathan Taylor, 143 yards on the ground. Pittman also had a nice day, but the defense held Houston to under 150 total yards of offense, the Colts are 7-6 and six and will now have the week off before a pivotal game against the Patriots the following Saturday. Yes, that's right. We are coming up on Saturday football, so adjust your schedules accordingly. A team that definitely had to make adjustments on the fly, pun intended, was the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles, as they were without their biggest playmaker Jalen Hurts last week. But... Gardner Minshew said, I haven't taken a shit in weeks because number two is not good enough. Minshew mania is back, baby. 20 of 25, 242 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Gotta love it. And Miles Sanders went 24 carries for 120 yards and showed exactly what he is capable if used correctly, as we always talk about on this show. How about Goddard? Six For 105 yards, two touchdowns as the Eagles soar over the Jets, 33-18. They move to 6-7 and and are still fighting for the playoffs in a very up-for-grabs NFC, and they will enjoy the bye week this week. Now, first game of the week is an AFC-NFC showdown on Thursday Night Football. You've got the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Minnesota Vikings. So, Minnesota is actually favored by three points in this game. I like Pittsburgh to cover the three. Last week, the Steelers shook up the AFC North with a win over Baltimore, and what a game, though. They got lucky on a last-second two-point attempt that failed, but the whole acting like they shut that play down is laughable. Listen, it's a game of inches. You got the W, take the win, and jog on. This week, the Steelers... Still can't run the ball worth a damn, and you know that's something that may hurt them as the season goes on. Um, The drops are killing the offense. They've got to get better with the drops. I don't know how much time they can spend on the jugs machine, but it's just it's really killing them. Um, The Steelers are going to need every point that they can get this week, and the Vikings D is sus. So take advantage where you can, and hopefully Ben will be able to keep the Steelers in this game. Now on the Vikings side of the ball, this is day 1,242 of me telling the Vikings that they don't deserve Kirk Cousins. Last week he was 30 of 40, 340 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, what do you want from this guy? Justin Jefferson, 11 catches, 182 yards and a touchdown. Madison filled in nicely for Cook and could have another decent game this week. 
but the Vikings defense allowed 29 points to the Lions and took an L to the fucking face. Now, Minnesota this week needs to pull out all the stops in their defensive bag. Whatever schemes you got that you haven't shown yet, pull them out. The offense is going to be fine. We know Kirk will put points on the board. Defense has to come together and make a statement. The Vikes have a puncher's chance, but this is that time of the year where historically the Steelers kind of go to work. So I love the Steelers to cover in this one. I'll tell you who I don't love to cover, and that is the J-E-T-S, Damn We Suck. Um, Unfortunately, Jets fans, it is what it is right now. The Jets are hosting the New Orleans Saints, who are coming in as a five-point favorite on the road. And sadly, I like the Saints to cover those five points on the road. Now, last week, I get it. Taysom was horrible. Four interceptions. Obviously, he was having issues with his hand. Um, It's sad to see what has happened to the Saints this season because they were actually doing very, very well with Jameis at the helm. And they're not out of it yet, but I just don't see enough from them right now to warrant any real postseason potential. The Jets, on the other hand, turn the ball over worse than any team in the league. So I am slamming the Saints' defense into my fantasy start column. The New York Jets allow more points per game than any other team. So also, if you have a New Orleans Saints skill player in fantasy, it's now or never this week. Listen, I know the Saints have lost five in a row, but I think they moved past the Jets by a touchdown here. I like them to cover the five points. Zach Wilson was back in the lineup last week, and I'm glad that he is getting playing time. I really am. But I've yet to see it kind of start to click overall. Like, I'm not trying to say that I don't see potential in him because I see a ton. And I'm not trying to say that he doesn't do things that I'm like, okay, you obviously justify the pick. But he's just a rookie. He's just doing what rookies do. And, you know, unfortunately, last week, the Jets dropped one to the Eagles. To make matters worse, Corey Davis is having season-ending surgery in his first season with the Jets, and that will shut him down until 2022. Um, They've already lost Michael Carter, so there's not even a lot of weapons for Zach Wilson to really work with. And, you know, the the team overall is, is not playing well. So the Jets are at the very beginning of a long trip down rebuild road, so... Hang on, baby Jesus, it's about to get bumpy. I still believe in the long-term potential of the Jets. I love Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, and we'll see what Zach Wilson is able to become. But for now, it's just a miserable time in East Rutherford, and it will get worse before it gets better. And someone who's experienced that and can tell you a lot about things getting worse before it gets better is Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals. Um... They are hosting the San Francisco 49ers this week, and Cincinnati is favored by one in this game. I'm not putting a bet on it personally. It's just not sexy enough for me with the line. Uh, Last week, the 49ers had a shot to put a dagger in the division rival Seahawks, but they couldn't get it done at the end. A couple of picks from Jimmy G obviously didn't help, but Kittle had a monster day. Nine catches, 181 yards, two touchdowns. Fuck. Um, Thoughts and prayers to anybody who played against that in fantasy last week. Still wasn't enough, though, obviously, and the Niners dropped to 500 on the year, and now they head on the road to take on the Bengals. Um, I expect a much more balanced game out of San Francisco this week. San Fran loves to run the shit out of the ball, but I still think that Ayuk um, is going to have value if you really need somebody. Uh, The running back room is a mess, but if for some reason Elijah Mitchell is the only one healthy, then I like him as a plug-and-play. With the Bengals, you know, they missed an excellent opportunity in their playoff hunt last week. They dropped to 7-5 after a double-digit loss to the Chargers. Joe Mixon had a very unproductive day, which is odd considering the Chargers' run defense is completely non-existent. T. Higgins did go yard, though. Nine catches, 138 yards, and one touchdown. This week, I think, you know, could be a little bit similar in some aspects. The defenses are definitely keying on Jamar Chase, which has opened things up for Boyd and Higgins. All have potential this week, unlike our next two teams. So, 
Atlanta Falcons taking on the Carolina Panthers. Another game I'm not betting. Carolina is favored by two and a half points in this game. And both teams are just playing too bad and too inconsistent for me to put my money on it. So if I'm not putting my money on it, I'm not going to tell you to put your money on it. Do what you got to do. Carolina is favored by two and a half. But let's talk about this game. So first off, I'd love to welcome Russell Gage to the party. We told you he was due. 11 catches, 130 yards last week. The Falcons would love to see a repeat performance from him as well as a big game from Corduroy Panserson, as I have so named him. Now, Atlanta does allow the second most points in the league, and they are lucky that they are facing a struggling Carolina team. The defense needs to just play mediocre even and then get creative on offense, and they can actually get a road win here. The Panthers were on a bye last week, which they needed. Um, I really just can't trust any of their wide receivers fantasy-wise. Someone may get loose, but it's a huge boomer bust for me, with the bust more likely. Both of these teams are 5-7, and seven, fading fast. It will be interesting to see who still has fight in them, and if the Carolina Panthers' pass defense that has been number one in the league can stifle Matt Ryan. Unfortunately, for the Houston Texans, the fight for them was over before it even started. The Houston Texans are hosting the Seattle Seahawks this week, and Seattle is a seven and a half point road favorite. Now I do like Seattle in this one, but I'm gonna buy it at six and a half just to be safe because of the inconsistency of Seattle. Now last week Seattle started the fireworks early. They had a fake punt go for like 80 yards to the house. AP was the leading ball carrier, but only 16 yards on 11 carries, not the production you're hoping for. Russell Wilson was in the kitchen, 30 for 37, 231 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Unfortunately, despite the win over the Niners, Seattle is still 4-8, looking from the outside in at a postseason run. Now the good news is that Houston has jack shit to play for. Everything is fucked, and this should be like robbing a blind paraplegic who left the door wide open. If the Seahawks can't run the ball on the worst run defense in football, then all is lost. I'm not saying AP has flex appeal, but I'm not saying that he doesn't. With the Texans, listen, Houston, we have a problem. And the problem is that the season isn't over yet. Despite the fact that Seattle allows 400 yards per game, the Texans can barely tie their cleats together and stumble to 150 yards a game. I move for a vote of no confidence in Chancellor Cully. Much like the Jets, this rough and ugly ride is like barreling down a ravine in the middle of the night on a bicycle with no seat on it. Bless your heart, Texans fans. Y'all need some sage and a chicken. Moving on to the Raiders, who will try to win without Santeria and Arrowhead this week. They are 9.5 point road underdogs, and I actually like Vegas to cover the spread in this one. I think they cover the 9.5. Now last week, Las Vegas had a chance to keep up in the division, but they dropped one late to the team without a name. The Raiders are now 6-6 six and six and need a big win here to stay in the hunt this week. The Raiders have the number two pass offense in the league, so they do have a shot against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's about what they can do defensively. But fantasy-wise, Renfro and Waller are must-starts, and if Drake is a no-go, that means Josh Jacobs, who has had 90 yards and a touchdown in back-to-back games, will be a stud start against this Kansas City defense. Now on the Chiefs' side, Mahomes was not good last week. 15 of 29, 184 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, and the rushing game wasn't exactly on fire either. Fortunately, the Broncos were not up for that game, and the Chiefs rolled over them 22-9. Now this week, it's a much bigger challenge with the Raiders. The defense will need to step up. CEH and the regulars are starts. I like Kansas City in a close one here. But I think both teams have a shot, so that's why I'm taking the 9.5 points, and I wish I liked the spread on our next game as much. Baltimore at Cleveland. 
So the Browns are two-and-a-half-point home favorites over Baltimore. I'm not putting a bet on this game. These teams play each other so well, and they're so banged up, and it's just a really tough game to read. So the Ravens are literally about to grab folks from the stadium stands and ask if they can get out there and cover Deontay Johnson. Like, that's how bad it has gotten. They have been decimated by injuries this season and now can add Marlon Humphrey to the players who will miss the rest of the season. But in spite of the setbacks, the Ravens drove down the field last week at the end of the game, and they did score. And in one of the greatest moments of his coaching career, John Harbaugh goes for two to get the win, and unfortunately, it was an incomplete pass, and the Steelers won. Now, listen, I know what you're thinking. How is that a great moment if they lost? I'll tell you why, Mickalene O'Flynn, because they had a chance to end a division rival's season in their house and they took the shot because John Harbaugh has nuts the size of fucking watermelons and because at the end of the season, the team that hoists that Lombardi will have to make those types of calls. We wouldn't even have a Philly Philly if nobody was making those types of calls. That's how legends are born. Harbaugh is that dude. Great decision, an even better play call, but the execution was off by inches. Any asshole can second guess after the results, but if you loved him when he went for it against the Chiefs and got the dub, then you keep that same damn energy. I loved the call, just didn't work out in their favor. Now this week, I expect a black and blue old school game here. This game will be everything that we love about football. Hollywood and Andrews have me foaming at the mouth in fantasy. With the Browns, they were on a bye last week after losing 16-10 to the Ravens in the week prior, and this is their shot at a revenge game, and the stakes could not be any higher. Nick Chubb has the highest average in the league at 5.8 yards per carry, and if the Browns' backs are healthy, that makes this a completely different ball game. I hope to see a full arsenal of weapons out there and a very competitive game this week. Division games are usually worth the price of admission, which brings us to another division matchup. The Dallas Cowboys are heading to Washington to take on the football team. Dallas is a four-point road favorite in this one, and I love Dallas by four. So you tell me, where is your money, on the red pill or the blue pill? I am running to that blue pill. Cowboys by four, yes, please. Now, last week, they knocked off the Saints, and the one-two punch of Pollard and Zeke has worked well. Michael Gallup had one of the toe-drag swags of the year. Big D got the big dub in the big easy, and now... Head to the Capitol and take on one of the worst passing defenses in football. I like my over props here. Running game will have a tough day though as Washington, as much maligned as they are, they are very fierce against the run. Now, the Cowboys still have the number two offense in football and it all comes down to that aggressive defense they have. They're either going to be giving up big plays or making big plays, and that will be the ultimate deciding factor in this game. Speaking of making plays, man, Taylor Heineke. He's new school Minshew mania. I love this kid. He has Washington football team on a four-game win streak. They're 6-6. Six and six. They still have a real shot to make some noise this season. Washington does have that top three run defense, as I mentioned, so they might be able to bottle up Zeke. It's the pass that I worry about. Um, I think they're going to have a tough time slowing down Dak and all of those wide receivers that the Cowboys have. Offensively, Logan Thomas, the injury is not feared to be as bad as initially expected. They definitely need him out there. It's always tough when you lose anyone to injury. Um, A team that knows a lot about that is the Tennessee Titans. They know all about injuries, and they're going to host the Jaguars this week with a full roster of holes all over the place. Now, Tennessee is a nine-point favorite at home against the Jaguars. They probably safely cover this, 
but I just I don't like the bet. I will probably monitor this closer to the game. We'll see if Julio comes off IR. We'll see how everything works out. But as of right now, I'm not putting a bet on this game. The Titans are favored by nine. Now with the Jaguars, last week the Rams told the Jags, come out to the West Coast, you know, we'll get together, have a few laughs. And then Jacksonville showed up and the Rams said, yippee ki motherfucker. Jacksonville continues to struggle. And since November, Trevor Lawrence has had five games. He has thrown for one touchdown and one interception and has had less than 170 yards passing in four out of five of those games. Now, am I putting this all on sunshine? Hell no. Listen, he went to a garbage-ass organization, and he's a rookie. I keep telling you guys not to take the cheese. Trevor Lawrence may end up being an elite passer in this league if Jacksonville doesn't ruin him first, but it is ironic, though, how we give passes to some quarterbacks who struggle early, yet completely drag other quarterbacks who have done nothing to earn such disparagement. Sadly, I cannot even put faith in James Robinson anymore, and this Jaguars offense is so bad, and the team has so many holes right now that you just can't trust them to do anything right. I think that they will be led to the slaughter this week, and the Titans will handle business. With those Tennessee Titans, Julio Jones, as I mentioned, has been activated from IR, and the Titans could definitely use a few healthy weapons. Everyone's talking about, you know, how Tannehill has fallen apart and gone to shit, but I mean, hell, his whole offense has been missing, so it is what it is. Titans cannot fumble the bag, though, this week. You have a soft game against an inferior opponent. Throttle them and move on to next week's game. I'm not sure how that backfield is going to look. Hilliard has been performing well, but not sure who's going to get the bulk of the carries. Fantasy-wise, it's kind of a crapshoot there. Um, watch the news up until kickoff to see if maybe we can gleam a little bit more information or if somebody's a scratch or what happens there. At 8-4, and four, the Titans could really use a win to keep even with the Pats for the one seed, especially since New England already has the tiebreaker against them. Tennessee would also obviously like to put some distance between them and the Colts this week. I like Tennessee to play well at home and get the W. I just don't trust the nine points. Um, what I do trust is that Justin Herbert is going to light that ass up this week when the G-Man head west. So the Giants are heading to L.A., and the Chargers are a 10.5-point favorite at home. That is a big spread. That is a very big line, big bet, but I'm feeling bold this week, so I'm going to take the Chargers to cover by at least 11. Now, last week, the Giants pulled into Biscayne Bay and they thought they were going to net them some dolphins, but Miami said, you're going to need a bigger boat, bitch. Real-life bobblehead Mike Glennon was unable to generate points, even though he did make some decent throws at times. Uh, Saquon had five yards of carry, but only 11 carries, which was kind of dumbfounding to me. Um, Ingram was your leading pass catcher, which is never a good sign, and the Giants dropped to 4-8. and now, the one thing in the Giants' favor this week is that, again, the Chargers have a bottom five uh, scoring defense, and perhaps Saquon can show us something this week against the second-worst rush defense in football, and or maybe one of the 12 wide receivers that we all have in our IR slots in fantasy will be able to suit up and give it a go. We'll have to see. Um, Jones will be out again, so... The Giants are really living on a prayer this weekend, and I don't think that prayer is going to be answered. With the Chargers, the Chargers defense said to Joey B, you going to pull that pistol or whistle Dixie? And pull the trigger he did. The Burrow-Herbert Bowl was everything it was billed to be. Both quarterbacks over 300 yards, 75 passes between both teams. Very exciting game, but Herbert was better on the draw this day. 26 of 35 317 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. Mike Williams got all the yards, and Keenan Allen got two touchdowns. So now, of course, we know that Keenan Allen is one of 11 players who were added to the COVID list, so you will have to monitor him up to game time. There is still a possibility that he is able to play this week, but again, that's something you'll have to keep track of. Now, 
We saw what the Dolphins were able to do against the Giants last week. I expect more of the same out of Justin Herbert. So possibly look into your overs as it gets close to the game as far as Herbert-related props. Now, keep an eye on the COVID situation for fantasy, like I said. But other than that, I think the Chargers bolt up and smolt the Giants off the field. Chargers for the dub this week. Speaking of dubs, the Detroit Lions. How about them Lions, baby? First win of the season and the first win for, of course, new head coach Dan Campbell. The Lions have been in close games and, you know, they finally got it done. This week, they're heading to Denver to take on the Broncos and the Broncos are actually favored by eight points in this game. And I'm going to take Detroit to cover. I don't know if they win outright, but they've been in very close games and I like this at plus eight. So last week, the Lions players seen man Campbell up there crying each week and said, ease his pain. We've got to get this dub. So Jared Goff throws a walk-off dart, and it feels like the Lions finally have something to celebrate, at least for the moment. Lions fans looking for hope in 2022, and if you build it, they will come. Detroit will not have a bunch of time to soak in this first win, however, as they head to Mile High to take on the Broncos. Now, you know how inconsistent this offense is, so set your fantasy lineups at your own risk. It will be interesting to see how these two teams come out to play, with one coming off a win and one coming off of a loss, respectively. Last week with the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater was running for his life, and despite having a bad game, I think his body of work overall speaks for itself. So I am not here for the Teddy slander today. Javante Williams hitting 178 all-purpose yards was good to see, but only nine points to show for it offensively against the Chiefs. That was just never going to be enough. The Broncos give up the highest pressure rate in the NFL. They need to give Teddy some time to work. Having Melvin Gordon back would be huge. That will obviously give Bridgewater better options, um, and he's used more for those dump-off passes, screenplays, things like that. It was nice to see, though, what Javante was capable of solo dolo last week. I think that the Broncos should lean on that number three scoring defense. Don't try to do too much. Just keep Teddy Bridgewater upright, and I think you got a real shot at this one. Let the game come to you. Now, talking about the game coming to you, listen, we talk about futures all the time on this show. Well, Cryptocurrency is the future, so don't get left in the past. Bet with my bookie, and you can get in the game now. To get you kickstarted with crypto, use my promo code REGULATORS to double your first crypto deposit at my bookie. The best part is, my bookie accepts well known cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, so you can bet and withdraw with crypto. The NFL playoffs are around the corner, and this week the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will face off in a potential Super Bowl preview. Now, both teams are still shooting for that top spot in their respective conferences, but in this high-stakes game, bet the Bucks money line. Don't miss out. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using our promo code REGULATORS. Head to mybookie.ag today. Place your bets and watch the sparks fly with UFC 269 this Saturday as well. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Now, as I said, I told you I love the Bucks money line on this, and I really do. Even though Tampa Bay is favored by three points in this one, I think this is going to be a great game, and this really could be a Super Bowl preview. Um, last week, we know what happened. The Bills started this season as the presumed AFC East champions and were wearing that crown for a minute. But just when Buffalo started enjoying their precious hold on the AFC East, the Patriots came in and they stole the precious, the stolen Trixie Hobbitses. So that's right. Now Sauron has the ring and Buffalo has a treacherous trip to Mount Doom and the Eagles will not be able to help them. So, this game that they played last week was so weird in those conditions, but there's no guarantee that the rematch in New England will be any better weather-wise. And now you head down to South Florida to take on Brady and the Bucks. Insert Michael Scott going, nope, don't like that. 
So the Bills will have to try to run the ball more consistently and keep the ball away from Tom Brady. Unfortunately for them, Tampa Bay has the number one rush defense in the NFL, so that's going to be easier said than done. But they will live and die on what the defense can do against the most premier passing attack in football. Diggs and Knox are the only players that I would willingly start on my fantasy team. With the Buccaneers, Gronk is still Gronk, man. Another two touchdowns from his buddy TB12, who threw for 368 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Godwin had 143 yards. Fournette had almost 100 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. Tampa needs to show off that number one offense and keep the Bills chasing them all day. The defense had five sacks last week, and obviously they need to keep that heat up against Josh Allen. Now, Tampa can actually clinch a couple of things this week based on a few scenarios. So, the Buccaneers can actually wrap up the NFC South with a win plus a Saints and Panthers loss or tie. So if both the Saints and the Panthers lose or tie and Tampa wins, then they clinch the NFC South. They can also just clinch a playoff spot with a tie, if Tampa ties for some reason, and like five other teams taking an L. But for now, let's just keep it simple. They need to win, New Orleans and Carolina lose, and they clinch the NFC South. Now, this will be a great game, tough fought, but I do like Tampa Bay money line on this one. Something I don't like is the Bears' chances against the Green Bay Packers this week. Now, Chicago is 12.5 point road underdogs to the Packers for all the obvious reasons. And while I don't like Chicago to have a chance in hell in this game, the line is just too big and, you know, I will take some garbage time points and hopefully Chicago backdoor covers this one. I may be getting ahead of myself. This is the only one that I kind of, I don't know. But I'm going to go against that big nasty spread, and especially I'm going to tie it into some teasers. You know that for sure. But I like Chicago to cover the 12.5 points. Last week, the Bears lost to the Cardinals, obviously. Uh, Andy Dalton had four interceptions, but Montgomery had 140 yards. So that's the only real silver lining in the building right now. The Bears have the worst pass offense in football. So, fantasy-wise, throw in David Montgomery and just walk away. With the Packers, they're coming off the bye week after their previous win against the Rams. I do expect A.J. Dillon to get a lot of work as this game goes on. Sunday night under the lights is where Rodgers just does crazy things, and I'm sure we will be talking about it in the week that follows. Green Bay can also clinch the NFC North with a win, and a Minnesota loss or tie. They can also clinch the NFC North with a win and... I'm sorry, let me say that again. See, it's confusing even for me, like some of this shit is weird. But okay, so Green Bay can clinch the NFC North with a win and a Minnesota loss or tie, or... If Green Bay ties and Minnesota just straight up loses. Green Bay can also clinch just the playoffs with a win and a Saints loss or tie and either a San Francisco loss or a San Francisco tie and a Los Angeles Rams loss. You got all that? Good. So, last but certainly not least, the LA Rams are taking on the Arizona Cardinals, and Arizona is a a 2.5-point home favorite. And I could see this one going either way, but I really like Arizona by 2.5 in this one. This game will have huge postseason ramifications here. Um, The Rams need to not get high on their own supply after causing the Jags to rage quit in the game last week. The Rams average 6.2 yards per play, which is the best in the NFL. They've had some missteps, I understand that, but they are an excellent football team, and this will be the matchup of the week. 
You've got two top five offenses. I definitely smell an overbet in here somewhere, but Arizona does have a top four scoring defense. So I will definitely have to see where that line lands closer to the game. A healthy Daryl Henderson would obviously be a happy sight for fantasy owners and the Rams. Keep an eye on those practice reports as the week goes on. The Cardinals, they got the gang back together last week, and Murray and D-Hop picked up right where they left off. I am ecstatic for this game, and I can't wait to watch it. Arizona can clinch a playoff spot this week with a win or one of these following scenarios. A San Francisco loss and a Minnesota loss, or a Minnesota loss or tie and a Saints loss or tie, and a Panthers loss or tie, or a San Francisco loss, a New Orleans loss or tie, and Carolina-Atlanta to actually tie each other. Obviously, the easiest way is just win and you're in. So, Cardinals win, they clinch a playoff spot. We'll see what happens. That's the Monday night football matchup. Um, Again, they're favored by 2.5 points at home, and I like them to cover. Now, let's get into our parlays. So I've got your four-way and your eight-way for you. So your four-way parlay this week, $5 bet pays $61.92. Now, obviously what you choose to bet on these is completely up to you, but I like to just keep it something simple. So if somebody has five, ten bucks, you know they want to throw on something, it's just something fun that you can do, right? So Dallas Cowboys minus four, Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus three, Arizona Cardinals minus two and a half, and the Pittsburgh Steelers at plus three. So those four, you tie them into a parlay, and right now as it stands, $5 pays out over $60. Now I have your eight-way parlay for you. So this is a $5 bet that pays out $944. Obviously, this one's harder to hit. So here's what you got in your eight-way parlay. The Steelers plus three, the Chiefs minus nine and a half, the Saints minus five, the Jaguars plus nine, the Ravens plus two and a half, the Cowboys minus four, the Lions plus eight, and the Buffalo Bills plus three. Now, that one is actually, yep, $5 pays out nine forty-four. Just wanted to make sure I got that right. Now, do not forget that I'm giving out exclusive parlays and some of the boosts that I go after, some of the profits on our Patreon. So, including this week, I have a $2 parlay on our Patreon that pays out over $7,500 if it hits. So, check out our Patreon. You just go to patreon.com, search for the Regulators Podcast. Don't forget, at Regulators Pod is how you find us on Twitter, which of course is the best way to keep in touch with us. We want to keep in touch with you. It's been so awesome getting to know so many of you guys. And, you know, remember, like, you guys keep the fucking lights on around here. So I am humbled and appreciative of everything you guys do for us. And, you know, if you could do one thing for us this week, just text the link to this podcast to a single friend and be like, hey, check these guys out. You have no idea how huge that is for us. Thank you. I fucking love you guys. Be good or be good at it. We out this bitch. Bing bong.